My name is Darren Doyle. I'm the creator of a new Mega Drive book called the Mega Book Collection. And we're live here now on the Sega Lounge to have a chat. Welcome to the Sega Lounge, a podcast dedicated to our love for all things Sega, be it the games, the music, or the community. I'm KC. In each episode, I'll be talking to different guests and sharing their projects and their passion for Sega. Hello everyone, we're back! I apologize for the two-week break between the last episode and this one that you're listening to right now. Life and other engagements got in the way. But I'm mostly sure that the rest of the season will go without a hitch. I mean, we've only got a few episodes left anyway. That said, much has happened in the world, including the world of Sega, but I'd like to highlight three things, if I may. First of all, the latest batch of retro-compatible Xbox games got announced, and included in those is Binary Domain. I've talked about it on the show not that long ago, and I got the chance to play through it again a few days ago. It's still as brilliant as I remembered, and I urge you to go play it if you can. Second up, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on the Mega Drive turned 29 years old this very week. I still remember exactly the day that I got it, and how it felt to play it for the first time. It was a bit late at night, and I only got to play it for a few minutes, and I remember going to bed with the music from Emerald Hill Zone stuck in my head. Sonic 2 is still my favorite 16-bit Sonic game, And it's turning 30 next year, so maybe we should do a special show about it? Maybe. Finally, I wanted to mention Radio Sega's Fan Choice 2021 Awards. Every year, the station asks its listeners to pick their favorite song from Sega games released in the previous 12 months, as well as the best new remix made by the community. If you're not familiar with this, stick around until halfway through the show, as I'll share more details about it. Well then, what about this week's interview? Let's check it out. This week I'm joined by Darren Doyle, a man with a passion for video games and the creator of an upcoming book dedicated to the Sega Mega Drive. Darren is the man behind Grey Fox Books, one of his many projects, and after publishing both an Atari and an arcade book, he is currently looking for your support on Kickstarter to get the Mega Book Collection to your doorstep. This is an amazing project focused on Sega's 16-bit powerhouse, and it's got the Sega Lounge seal of approval, both figuratively and literally, as we are one of the endorsers featured on the Kickstarter page. Listen on as Darren shares a bit of his background and learn more about this new book. For those with little time, talk about the book starts after the Sega Lounge challenge. But you wouldn't skip that, would you? Hello Darren, welcome to the Sega Lounge. How's it going? Thanks, thanks for having me here, Dave. It's, it's brilliant to be here on your podcast today. Um, yeah, I just uh, wanted to uh, reach out to you guys and, and let you know about a, a cool project that's coming that's hopefully going to be starting up in mid-November 
Um, a lot of people have asked me to to do this and get on board and let people know about the project and stuff. Um, so I think I'll talk about myself for a minute or two. Um, a graphic yeah, designer sure. uh, from from Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been involved in retro games since 1981. I've been playing games since the age of eight. Um, I started off, uh, like everybody, got a home computer, you know, to learn uh, computers and programming and, and all these things uh, on the Atari home computers. I uh, grew up with uh, all, all those computers and were playing games and started to take an interest in doing graphics on them and uh, music and all these creative things. Uh, it wasn't all just about games, but it was an amazing time uh, to live through and experience all this stuff for the very first time as was happening mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the world uh, where today everybody has a PC, everybody has a high-end mobile phone and they're doing gaming and they're doing multiplayer gaming. It was a lot, lot different. It was very, it was, it was actually in its infancy. Uh, so, was it like the first time that people actually, uh, th- that computers were accessible to to the masses in a way. Yeah, and yeah. If, in, in not really the masses, but you know, more people. And but they were much different. The the whole system was much different than people are yeah, used well, to it, right it, now, right? It was very, very expensive. Yeah. Put it that way, an awful lot of people couldn't afford uh, a lot of these things until you know they became cheaper, obviously, and stuff like that. But it was actually a very closed circuit. You know the term geek, where you know you <laughs> geek, and all. now these people they love geeks. Everybody loves geeks now. What have you? But it was very. It was a very closed off uh, type of uh, culture to be in because if you didn't have a computer or whatever, you didn't know about this stuff. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be stuff that you'd see in your local news agents or mm-hmm. anything like that. It was very very specialized, and as computers started to be used more in the world and stuff like that, people started to see other markets. And I, I was there for when new genres were created in games and stuff like that. So have a huge history in in video games and the history of it now because I lived through those time frames. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving from the 8-bit platforms all the way up to uh, the 16-bit era, you know, your Atari ST, your Commodore Amigas, um, really perfected the, the artwork and, and, and uh, desktop publishing side of things, you know, You had board processors and all that allowed you. They used to prime these computers as something to actually be productive on, doing all your mm-hmm. your, your 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 spreadsheets and your databases and all that stuff, which all eventually turned into Excel and Microsoft Office and all these packages. But it was always about the games, and I was always fascinated by the technical achievements of what one programmer could do versus another programmer could do. Um, you know, and you, and that's the way it was. And the homebrew scene, where working from home from your bedroom, you produce a game, get it published, get it made, and all that type of stuff. Uh, it's, like, it's like we we. It's interesting that you mentioned that because it's like we came full circle with COVID, right? So yeah. <laughs> that's how it started. And thanks to COVID, many even the the bigger companies and developers had to adapt in a way to to you know allow developers to work from home and work on their projects 
<laughs> on their on their you know rooms or something or living rooms or whatever. So it's Absolutely. kind of interesting. Absolutely, and like it, my last book project that I that I that I done was based on classic arcade coin up games, mm-hmm. and because of working from home, uh, with the work that I was doing, once I got the work done, essentially your time was your own. So it actually enabled me to actually be able to continue working at this where I wouldn't have been able to do so if I'd have been in the office. So, you, you know, you, you were in there nine to five, you had to wait until you got home, then you had to, you know, juggle family life versus the work that you were doing on this project. So I actually have to thank me job for, for enabling me to do that. They don't know that, that I was able to do that, but I was able to do it. And so that's <laughs> fun that on kickstarter as well and get that all made and get mm-hmm. it done um but uh yeah it's yeah that that was one thing about the uh the covid that allowed us to uh to actually get mm-hmm. uh, all that stuff done and made yeah. and more and, and more yeah. so you yeah. know so it was brilliant to do that Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you lived through the the, the different eras of uh, video game development and and you know all the the different. You mentioned oh. the eight bit era, the sixteen bit era, yeah. all of that. Um, do you have a soft spot for any particular um, you know generation or style of of game? Because there there's a lot of nostalgia going on right now. Like so. Oh. Absolutely, um, but you lived through those years, and so maybe there's something that you you still remember more fondly than others. I can actually tell you the very first video game I ever played. Uh, it's actually that vivid. It was on the the old Atari VCS, mm-hmm. uh, the video computer system. Uh, it was a game by Activision uh, called Laser Blast. Okay, and the idea of the game was you controlled this a uh, uh, flying saucer. And there was tanks on the bottom of the, of the landscape, and you literally could only shoot down or at an angle. You couldn't control the the laser, um, and I that was the very very first game I ever played. And you know, I actually have it in my collection. I actually have the game in its box. You know, all that sort of prized as as you know the very first video game that I that I ever played. Um, okay. Great memories of that. I, I even now and again, you know, will go on the website and load up an emulator or whatever, and just have a quick shot of it, or I play it on my phone, an emulator on my phone or something like that, mm-hmm. and just have a quick blast. So that was really that was the universe being opened here. Essentially, when we grew up in these time frames with these games, they were evolving and evolving. So you actually could actually see. The change of things getting better, graphics getting better, sound getting better, and to be able to live through that and see all these things and to play these games, you'd have never thought 30, 40 years ago that the way the games are today are just on a completely different level on, on things, um, and you know, uh, seeing that does it doesn't mean they're they're better. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I can tell you, as games, that, right? That they, they can be better uh, graphically, or you know, yeah, technically. Terrible. But doesn't really mean they're better games. No, no. And believe me, these games didn't take you by the hands. These games were rough, hard, tough. <laughs> uh, you really worked your butt off until it came up. Congratulations on the screen, and you were there. A great sense of achievement because it was so difficult physically on your hands with the joysticks or whatever else. And then to get a congratulations, you've now completed blah, 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 whatever it would be. Uh, 
um, you're there saying to yourself, there you go, you know, you're, you're smiling <laughs> and you're rubbing your nails off your shoulder, you know, with glee, uh, that you, you, you finished and completed these uh, these atrocities of difficulty. <laughs> they, they were atrociously difficult. It's, it was it was ridiculous. Um, the, that's uh, true, that's true. Have uh, you... Have you uh, um... Do you feel like I, I feel like this sometimes? I'm I'm a bit younger than you. I I feel like when I try to play some of the games that I grew up with, mm. I feel like f first of all I don't remember them being so hard. Uh, also, I had a lot more time on my hands, but I also feel like I've lost a, a bit of the, the 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 very few skills that I had at the time. I've lost a great deal of them. Uh, okay. and and I feel like the games that I played as as a child um, are harder now, and even games today that are really really as you said they take you by the hand and you know they they show you where to go and everything. Um, maybe because I don't I don't have the time to commit to them as much as I had before. But I feel like my skills have dwindled with with time. Do you feel like that sometimes, or do you? still feel like you know it's the same experience for you playing old games and stuff right so for me i i think uh games today are way too easy um and it's not i, I you know when you when you when you spend that type of money on on a, on a game you want narrative you want the challenge you want you don't want it too difficult but you want you want the narrative that it's the, the balance is correct um Playing the old games, you know, when making these these products or whatever that I'm working on, you know, I have to go back to play these games. I have to try and, and sort of sharpen my game skills. And don't get me wrong, uh, I found that some of the games that I played during the PlayStation era, PlayStation 2 era, I went back when, uh, you know, if it was on real hardware or emulation, that uh, some of these games were difficult enough, but gave me higher reflex. And I found that I was able to actually play older games that were really tough um, and be able to get much more forward or deeper into them games because of the strategies I learned from uh, from present game, and if that makes sense. Okay. Like games, you know, I'm not talking about your Call of Duties or anything like that. I'm talking about games that require you to think problem solve or solve some sort of thing you know that's what's great about indie developed games is they they go back to that genre and they try to introduce these uh, mechanics that you know getting the jump right and all this type of thing or you know but the thing about the the new games is you've got infinite goals to do it where back in the day you didn't you know three lives if you if you blew it on the three lives so when I go back to play the old games, uh, some of them are ridiculously bad collision detection and all shocking in them and stuff like that. And you really pick up on that. You really see that how badly they were made in the first place. But still, uh, a, classic, <laughs> a classic game would be uh, one from Datasoft. Uh, everybody would know if they had it on the Commodore 64, the Atari, whatever, is Bruce Lee. Now, the, the Bruce Lee game is a platform fighting game it was tricky in parts, but I've noticed that some of the way games are done today, those mechanics are still there. So if I'm able to achieve them in newer games, you know, and then go back to, say, play Bruce Lee, 
um, I can actually um, you use that knowledge from the new games and sort of um, you know do it in the old games. You know, try and mimic it in the old games. Uh, that can you know, and I can't. But there is some games that are ridiculous. No matter how good or bad you are at them, you're just you know uh, when you look at these long play videos online, you see these people not even getting a scratch. It's like, how did the guy hell did these guys do this? It's just it's ridiculous, you know what I mean? They have to be. They're not human. They they can't be. And, and speed run videos. You've seen the speed yeah, run yeah, yeah, things yeah. in ten minutes. So it's absolutely ridiculous. That's um, commitment for you. It is absolutely, absolutely. I I cannot commit to even. I I sometimes I find that I have a lot of games that I haven't completed yet. Yeah. Um. It, so I I can even commit to to finishing a game, let alone like mastering it to yeah. a level that I can speed run it or just like uh, do like one coin runs or one credit runs or whatever yeah. they are. Yeah. yeah. Um. Those those type of games. I love games with narrative and I love storylines. But in saying that, when I played, say, The Last of Us on PlayStation, you know, I mean, absolutely phenomenal games, um, story, narrative, action, everything that you could ever want for. But then after a while, saying, when is this going to end? You know, I mean, I, I keep mm -hmm. on thinking I'm, I'm near the end. I'm near and getting there and getting there. And then there's another half an hour gone, another an hour, another hour gone. And, I, you know, so you do get fatigued. Some of the games can be, like the Uncharted games and those type of games, Tomb Raider and all, uh, they can sort of get, you know, you get fatigued because you're, you're there, you think you're nearly there, and you're putting in, pulling out all the stops. <laughs> be awesome in this game, not getting killed, you know, jumping, and, you know, you're there brilliant, and only you see it because nobody else is willing to sit with you while you play these games. Uh, I, I, I think... With, with that and saying that, you know, a game can be too long. It's very hard mm -hmm. to find that balance. And I think with the old games, you know, there was no high expectations that this game was going to last for hours on end, unless it was a strategy game or an adventure game or something like that. But once you cracked it, it, flew, it, 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 it did flow quite quickly. Uh, so I, I think a lot of people today... They want the convenience of being able to jump in and jump out type of games. That's not really something I'm interested in. I like mm -hmm. to explore all avenues of a game. Because if the developer's taking the time to put in the effort to put these things in a room or something like that, you should you should always, you know, check every area of the game. And that's probably why the games take so long for me to finish, because I literally want the 100% experience. What's in this room? Where do I go here? <laughs> and you're there about 20 minutes in an area that you should only really be spending five minutes in. Yeah. So have, I, you, have you tried the, the Yakuza games by Sega? I have, yeah. Yeah, played them. Okay. Um, I played the first two Yakuza games on PlayStation 2. Uh -huh. uh, played Justice as well. That's not really a Yakuza game. Uh, yeah, Judgment. Yeah, yeah, Judgment, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely brilliant. Phen phenomenal games. Um, th th that's my problem with Yakuza. I, I, I love them, but that's my problem with Yakuza games because you can get sidetracked really, really fast. Yeah, there's too much to do. There is. And it's all great and fun. But at at some point, there's a new game coming out and I, I go and check that out. And I, then I need to go back, you know, a, a few chapters before previous to my progress to remember what I was doing. Yeah. 
or just restart the game altogether with which I've done uh, with a few of the the yeah, no, games. I, I spend too much time with the side stuff. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it becomes a second life, really, doesn't it? it oh yeah, it's, it's like you're leading a second life in a game. Your your real world and then your virtual world of these games, and I think it's great that they do that. But you know, if they didn't include it, do you think people would miss it? Do you think? And people would say, well, why isn't that in it? Why can't they play slot machines and all? So the fact that they include that in is to, you know, give, give longevity to the experience of playing the games, I think. But I do agree with you, especially with the Devil May Cry games. Uh, absolutely brilliant. And I'd play them and I'd be really far into them. And then I'd forget all about how to use the controls because something else has come along. Yeah, yeah. And I have to go back and I have to try and figure it out and, You'll get your ass kicked in the game when, you know, before you were death, you know what I mean? God of War was another one. Uh, I never got to finish God of War uh, on PlayStation 4, which is an absolute travesty because it's such a good game. But uh, I'll, I'll change that when the next one comes out. I promise to finish that one. But um, I do stick them out to from start to finish. I never, ever play another game while you're playing a game that requires commitment. That's the worst thing you can do. Uh, oh yeah, like yourself, <laughs> I've got games down there that I haven't even booted up yet. I have them about a yeah. year now, going yeah. into two years. It, uh, it's a nice problem to have, though, right? It is good. It is good, but at the same time, you know, <laughs> I feel guilty about it because I'm sure the games are absolutely brilliant, and in some cases, I don't even get to play them because I'm mm-hmm. either too busy doing work on one of the projects I'm doing, or I'm working on something else with someone else. So it is. It is trying to balance the time up, and then family life as well. Yeah. On top of that, as well, is uh, there's not enough errors in the day. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to um, you know, resist the temptation of getting new games just because I know they're supposed to be good, and everyone's getting them. If I'm not able to play them when they first come out. Uh, I, I, because I, 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 I've been guilty of guilty of that of getting games at launch that you know big games that everyone's playing as well, and I don't have the time uh, right there and then to to play them, and they just sit there waiting. Then maybe I will never get to them, or maybe I will after a year or two. So what I've been trying to do lately is, if I'm able to play the game when it, you know, at, at launch, I'll get it, I'll play it. If not, I'll wait because I'll save some money. Sure. <laughs> and and that that same feeling of guilt for having the game and seeing everyone else playing it, but not being able to experience it as well. So if yeah. I don't have it, it's easier. Well, you would have you would have grown up, you know, the this fifth and sixth generation of consoles, Super Nintendos, and and Sega Mega Drive Master System, all these things. What we used to do back in the day, and I I still do it to this very day, which is uh, is I even though if a brand new game comes out and it's the it's the business and everybody says, oh yeah, you have to get this, you have to get that. I look for a, a specific style of game. I wouldn't if I had a game that involved me having to use my brain and figure out things. I will choose that ten times over over say Call of Duty or you know a multiplayer online game. I I and and that's the way I used to do it even back in the Mega Drive days in the Super Nintendo days. It had to appeal 
to me in mm-hmm. such a way. I wasn't just going mm-hmm. to jump in because everybody has it. If it works for them, that's fine. I'm happy for you. Brilliant. But if it, it had to appeal to me personally, and it would be based on a certain genre as well. Uh, but like, that, yeah. that was easier to do back then, yeah. I think, as yeah. well, because you didn't have like uh, social media and you weren't being bombarded yeah. with all these images and all these comments of people saying this yeah. game is great. That wasn't, you, you had a video game magazines at one point, but you know, if you, you could uh, just not even learn about a, a, a great game that everyone loves, because for example, I'm from Portugal. Right. And in my country, we didn't get the same information as I'm guessing you guys had in the UK or yeah, in the well, US. Yeah, over here in Ireland and the UK, we, we had magazines to rely on. They were your internet. You know, you got to see what was coming out, what developers were doing. And it's gas because a lot of these magazines back in the day, you know, with, with the scoops, sensationalized them a lot. And a lot of these games never actually showed up or actually ever came out. Just, you know, you could nearly do a whole episode on uh, unreleased games and, and stuff like that. And when I was doing research for some of the stuff I was doing, I was astonished at the amount of stuff that didn't actually come out. Of. And I remember reading about it indefinitely. And, you know, when the games finally came out, a lot of them, some of them weren't up to be what they were cracked up to be. They weren't. Yeah. Uh, they were they were promoted as this or oh, this is the next best thing, and they were mediocre or they were just okay. But I still do that today. I won't go out and you know look at the latest PlayStation games or look at the latest uh, uh, whatever. Um, it has to resonate with me. That will mm-hmm. give me something. It'll be worth my while to play. Um, I'm not really into casual gaming. Uh, I play it, but I won't. You know, be you know rely on, on casual gaming but like back in the day you had your magazines that gave you the information and remember a lot of these magazines from from the work that i was doing we got to speak to a lot of these people that were involved in uh, these industries and um you know a lot of it was made up uh, magazines were, were were as bad as the internet for telling lies like to or misleading just to sensationalize oh yeah this is going to be in it that's going to be in it and then it would never happen and all that type of stuff but then you'd have people then referencing that as knowledge base you know when they go to discuss or talk about whatever it is they're you know whatever games they're playing well you know your man worked on this and he never did and did <laughs> type of thing so it's very hard when you're doing research on this type of type of stuff in yeah. gaming that you wouldn't believe how much fabrication goes on. It's 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 mm-hmm. mind blowing, mm-hmm. you know. Excellent. Okay, so Darren, uh, I think we got a, a pretty good uh, you know idea of your background as a gamer. Yeah. Uh, but you've started some projects uh, related to gaming. Was that yeah. something? that you always dreamed of? Because I'm not sure if, like, right. professionally and originally you're, uh, you were involved with video games in any capacity. Right. So it's very, very peculiar because it's not something that you're going to hear too often. Um, obviously, I grew up playing all these games. I met a lot of people. You know, we, we did, uh, you know, this could be alien to a lot of your listeners, pen pals where we'd be sending letters to people and, 
you know, work that we're doing with send it on floppy disk or cassette and we used to trade all this stuff and send pictures and all. It's unheard of now. It's all email now, as you know, with attachments and everything else. Uh, and we really became a, a great community of people. Uh, when I started to uh, move away from the games and playing games, which I played an awful lot, I must add, I played thousands of games now at this stage. Um, one to it started to to fight. I started to fatigue on these games, and always wanted to you know do something creative. Uh, I love I love the creativity that a lot of these uh, that computers offer people. So you know, creative visual creativity. You know, drawing pictures on, on a paint program, creating music on a sequencer program, um, even down to editing video, dropping sound effects onto things. Uh, I also, when I was in college, did um, I did a, a video games uh, design course, which you know showed you all the different areas of game development. Now, I never got into the coding aspect of it, but I got into the graphic aspect of it, the sound engineering aspect of it, even down to MIDI, uh, composing music in MIDI, uh, that type of thing, and. You know, and then putting it all together with a collective of people. You know, you might have a programmer, you might have an artist, a mm -hmm. musician. Uh, you know, then video edit. You know, sequences, rendered sequences, three D studios, backs, and these type of packages that were all involved back in the day to bring game creation together. Um, and that's that's where it sort of stems. But in the publication aspect of it, um. I had actually designed, uh, because of the work I was doing and the proficiency I was doing it in, you know, there was guys approaching me on the scene, you know, this we would you be interested in doing a fanzine or, or a magazine. Uh, now, I wasn't using any desktop publishing program. We were doing it all in Photoshop. It was all created in Photoshop, so it was quite, you know, rough around the edges. There was no page margins and any of these things that you need to actually do this type of thing mm -hmm. and uh started to create these fanzines on the nes the, a friend of mine um contacted me about getting this project you know go to the people on the on the forums get them to interact you know submit articles submit reviews this type of thing he would give it to me and i would design around the the, the writing uh, the games, you know, you'd have the internet, you get the pictures, you could load up an emulator, grab the screenshots, yeah, 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 all this type of stuff. But my love for Atari was very strong, so I ended up creating a, a, an Atari magazine, a digital magazine, uh, and then I did two or three on the Atari ST. I always wanted to do one on the Amiga, but never got around to doing that. I just didn't have the time. But then I decided one day. I'm going to do a book. Just like that. It was, okay. no, there was no planning. There was no concept. There was no anything. I just said, right. Uh, I see all these other guys doing a book um, on these subjects. Why aren't they covering this subject? And I said, you know what? I'm going to change this. And I start working on a few concepts, a couple of ideas, you know, and uh, came up with one that worked, I felt comfortable working with, uh, designing and all this type of thing. And um, I started working on this stuff in the background. 
and then when I was ready enough to make an announcement I had enough material there to showcase and show look this is what I want to do uh, what does everybody think got great feedback oh yeah this would be great that we'd love to see this blah 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 um, and then decided right okay um, we're, I need to be able to get this made and where do I go and how do I do it and what's involved mm -hmm. what logistics are involved uh, and I created uh, an Atari book um, called the Atari of Visual History, which uh, was successfully funded on Kickstarter. Um, and uh, I really didn't have a clue about how I was going to how I was going to do this and <laughs> how am I going to get this shipped to people all around. I didn't even consider that people around the world would purchase it uh, or, or would even support it. And even with that, so I hooked up with a crowd in the UK um that done the fulfillment so i got a consignment the book shipped to me the books went to them uh created all these perks and, and and gifts and things to go in with the book for people to you know invest in collectibles and that type of thing and uh couldn't believe it that that uh, was the very first book i ever done um working on it for about 11 months uh okay. before i actually went to kickstarter with it uh, so, uh, I don't believe in trying to get something made and then be doing it while it's funding. I, I just, I'm on, I'm, I'm nervous about that uh, because I feel that if you fund something and it's not finished yet or it's not even made, the pressure's on you to get that made and get that done. Where mm -hmm. by making it previously, realistically, all I had to do was handle the logistics of actually getting it made and getting it out to people. Um, so that's that's the way I work on the projects that I do. Um, so got that made, got it funded. Couldn't believe it. Everybody got it. You know, everybody loved it. It's still it's been sold on our website even to this day. This was and, and just as as a, as a side for for people listening, and if you go to the Gray Fox Books, so I don't think we've mentioned the name of your uh, publishing uh, house it's gray fox books so if you go to grayfoxbooks.com and you actually check out uh your uh visual history an official a visual an official atari visual history right yeah they're all they're all unofficial because you know yes of course if you're, if you're doing something like that and you're using a funding platform to mm. fund it you know you you can receive cease and desist from them and what's yeah. nice about the atari book is uh it's all about Atari, but yet there's very little mm. Atari signage in the book. Mm. But see, you'd have to see it to know what I'm talking about, but they they couldn't. It, it couldn't be, you know. It, it was. It's not an officially licensed. It's product. not an officially licensed yeah. book, and I think they're better because what I like to do in the books that I make versus the ones that are officially endorsed or you know endorsed in some way is to be more down to earth and more truthful about what happened. Mm -hmm. at certain times uh, throughout the uh, the history of these uh, companies uh, when you're, you're 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 doing official stuff you, you have to be pro pro product or pro company or whatever and they have to sign up on on what you write and what you well this you is know, it they you know about... may not like their dirty linen being shown in public that that type of thing so yeah. um with the unofficial line of things now i'm not talking about decimating them or denigrating uh, a company in any way I would never do that because 
you know, these are fantastic companies. Without these companies, we wouldn't have the things that we have today. Uh, so, but I, I, I give honest insights to, you know, the failings and also the, the, um, the, the, good the victories. That they did. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh -huh. So I think that's only fair for people to read. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we go off and I go off and I research three or four, maybe eight, up to eight things, you know, in one subject just to get the information clarified. And I may talk to people that were actually there, you know, get their side yeah. of it and that type of thing. Uh, so the Atari book was actually a test uh, run of Grey Fox books to see how difficult it was to do this what was involved, how to do it. And uh, then that followed, that was followed by my second project. Let, let, sorry to interrupt you there, yeah, but sure. uh, what, I, what I was going to say is if you go to the website and yeah. look for this, this book and you check out the reviews, yeah, people just sing the praises of this book. It's an amazing book. The quality is absolute. So yeah, it, it shows that people really, really enjoyed uh, I I would assume Atari fans yeah, there would, really, there really would enjoyed a, this, there, this content. There would have been a lot of Atari fans and Commodore fans because uh, a lot of the stuff that's in the book came out on that as well. Uh, but um, the reviews and all the, the, the positive praise is absolutely phenomenal. And really all it is that all I, I will take from that is I did the job. The job, the job was done. You know, if people look at the books and they get great enjoyment of and they love the way the thing, I, I give them nostalgia or, you know, they, they're, they're transported back to being an eight-year-old kid or a 10-year-old kid and that's represented visually and, you know, with the writing in the book, then I've done my job. I'm very modest when it comes to notoriety. I'm not one for capitalizing with ego or anything like that. Um, I wouldn't be the type of person, do you know who I am type of thing or diva or <laughs> I, 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 I work for this, I've done this, please obey my every command. Yeah, but, but it's not, not in the way of, of like uh, getting all, uh, you know, all over people's faces, like, look at what I did. Yeah. These are my credentials. But, but, it, but it's nice for, for, you know, for people uh, wondering who's behind this this new book that we'll, we'll be talking about in, in a bit. Yeah. Uh, it's nice for people to know that previous works have been well-received and were quality books and, and uh, oh, yeah, quality yeah. publications that people could enjoy as well. Yeah. So. And anybody that, you know, uh, because these... The books that I do are crowdfunded. My, your engagement, the, the people's engagement on the development of these books, you know, is incredibly important. So when I'm making, these books aren't about making money. They're not about, you know, I'm not going to be the next J.R. Rowling, you know, with the next Harry Potter story and all that. Um, I don't make the books to make money. I make the books to cover, uh, uh, you know, cover uh, consoles and computers and subject matter that people want to see and read. And, you know, uh, the Atari book was very good for that because I covered a format that wasn't being covered. It just, you know, I mean, I couldn't understand why isn't that getting, that, that was just as good as this was, yet there's 10 books on that and maybe two books on this. So I said, no, I need to really, 
make this shine to to the readers, not just the fans, but people that didn't know about it. You know, uh, my niece, my 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 niece, she's only seven, and she's mesmerized by this stuff. And this stuff is like forty <laughs> forty years before she was even born. You know, and that was the whole that was the whole ethos of, of creating these books is to transport those that remember it back to the time and then show people that weren't around this is what we were doing back in this time and they get an education they get to read about the stuff they get to learn about the stuff uh and i even there's even a part in that book that actually shows you how to actually get into emulation and actually experience these games now although it's not the same as playing it with the real hardware but there's 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 things in that book that actually show you how to get up and start and get get going with it, mm-hmm. um, you know, which I thought was a brilliant idea um, to include. If you're going to talk about something, people may want to see it now, and this is how you do it. So uh, I I was delighted that I included that in 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 the book and stuff like that. So okay, the the projects are really from the heart. They're not they're not corporate in any way. Um, I do this stuff because I love to make them and I love to to really synthesize the eras and the the, the time frames and all in, in the books that I do. Mm-hmm. Um but uh and so you, you mentioned your Atari book. I wanted to, to mention the follow up. Yeah. I believe which was the, the, the arcade book as well. Yeah, the kind of correct arcade guide, yeah. 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 Uh, Would now, you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Believe it or not, that book was in production for eight years. Um, okay. <laughs> that that was actually about three to four years, maybe five years before I done the Atari book. Uh, that was actually supposed to be the first book to come out. It was originally going to be A5, which was quite small, but this was based on cost of printing and this type of thing. And when the success from the Atari book, which I did state to everybody that this will now go towards uh, the, the arcade book, which is going to be coming out a year later. Um, and it's a full size, annual size book. It's over 300 pages of uh, over 160 to 180 arcade games with two pads breaches as gate folds in the book where you can expand it into four pages. So it's about four feet in length when you open these pages. And it's the very, very first arcade book of its kind. Mm-hmm. No other arcade book. You know, there's a lot of Sega stuff in there. Uh, we're being the same. Obviously. Though, we have <laughs> to mention all the Sega stuff that's in the book. And I was amazed at some of the amazing Sega games that I got to play uh, through emulator, through MAME and that type of thing. And uh, I have really included the very best of what Sega was doing in the 80s and 90s. It covers the 80s and 90s. There may be one or two that 97, 98 type of thing, but nothing goes beyond 2000. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, that was met by massive reception. Uh, the Kickstarter. I, I have to tell you that I missed out on the Kickstarter, yeah. and, and uh, I recently, actually, before we started uh, talking about the, the the upcoming Mega Drive book, I recently came across this, and I haven't bought it yet, but I'm really, really curious because uh, it it actually caught my eye. 
looking at the pictures that you have on on the website and even the stuff yeah. that I seen people share on on social media as well. Right. It looks really well made, and I'm really curious to see. Um, um, yeah, obviously, I, obviously, very much because of the Sega stuff, but also for other uh, games that I, I'm sure I featured as well. Well, there's a there's a beautiful homage to one, you know, a very famous Sega game uh, that's you know everybody knows or played at some stage. You're a Sega fan, you played this. Um, it's a Pacific driving game. I don't. I shouldn't really need to mention what that is, <laughs> but there's a, a huge homage to that in the book as well. Um, the 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 reason why you don't see these type of books, David, is because of the amount of work that's involved. Keep in mind when you're looking at these pages, that's one person. I'm doing all the writing. I'm doing all the yeah. I, w- I was going to ask you that. So this was all done by you. Yeah, everything. Okay, there, okay. There's, that, there's that's no, amazing. There's no foreman team or graphic designers or anything like that. Um, because of the amount of work that was involved, the extraction work, extracting sprites, putting them into the page pictures screenshots logos you know there's over there's over 700 images in screenshots in the book and there's at least maybe 12 to 1500 composites in the book mm-hmm. and here's what's another thing that's mad about uh the arcade book is is that every single page is different from the next okay. you, know, you know the way you see repetition of layouts uh-huh. that doesn't exist it's not in this book Okay. There's there, there's no repetition of the way the pages look. There's no similarities. Each game that's covered in the book, Sega, you know, Konami, whatever, every one of them are uniquely designed around uh, the game, and rather mm-hmm. than just you know sticking by the rules of design, it's 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 around the actual games themselves. Yeah. So that 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 enhances when you're looking at a game. Essentially, I want you to look at this book without you needing to go play the game. You'll get your fix from just looking at the pages. Um, and then if it if it puts you in the mood, absolutely. And there was some great feedback and comments on the Kickstarter page. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't been able to put the book down. It's it, there, there is no other book like it. I, I actually, uh, and I'm not blowing my own trumpet here, but I actually... Uh, tried to find a book that even came remotely close. I, I bought a load of, I have a load of arcade books there in my library, and none of them, it's just maybe a single picture, black and white, maybe colour if you're lucky, and uh, maybe, uh, you know, a couple of lines about about the, the, the game itself. They they don't, they won't be able to, They a lot of publishers won't do this type of work because of the work involved. It's just it's un it's the logistics yeah, yeah. are un, un, unrealistic mm-hmm. uh, to produce it. So the kind of book was you know the second in the legacy of, of what Grey Fox Books does. You know that when you get a book from us, uh, you can't buy it anywhere else. You can only be it's not on Amazon. I know a lot of people complained about that. Um, <laughs> uh, just egregious tactics and the way they handle authors' books and stuff like that. I just didn't mm-hmm. agree with. It. Um, you can only get the book from us, uh, and it's not a thing to make you bottleneck you to come to Great Fox Books. It's I I want you when you go to our website or, or my website that you know you're getting something exclusive. You know, yeah, um, yeah. 
you know, a lot of people, I expect now a lot of people will be buying it for Christmas presents because it's not in any bookstores, it's not in any, it's not in any Amazon sites, not on eBay, all these type of things. And uh, realistically, you know, it, it's to create something absolutely bespoke and unique. And uh, that's what I'm going to be doing on the next project. And it does indeed look unique, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about the next project uh, when we come back. Uh, Darren, we're going to talk right. about the Mega Drive book that I'm sure people tuning in are very excited about as well. Uh, but we're going to take a great break now. And when we come back, I also have a surprise for you, Darren. Okay. I hope you're excited for that. I am. I'm. 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 I'm starting to look around, looking over my shoulder here, saying, "What? what what's going on?" <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm starting yes, to think here. Yes. Okay. Voices from the past will emerge. Wow. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe no. Well, that's not that's not that good. kind of show. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. No worries. It's officially fan choice season over at Radio Sega. You may not know this, but every year the station asks their listeners to pick their favorite song from Sega games released in the previous 12 months, as well as the best community-made remix released during the year. Before that final voting period, though, the month of November is all about the nominations. So right now, everyone can nominate their favorite five songs from Sega games released in the last 12 months. At the end of the nomination period, the 10 most nominated songs will make it to the final round. Got any particular banger you'd like to see voted Song of the Year? Check out the list of eligible games by going to radiose.ga slash song of 2021. And while you're there, click the link to the survey and tell Radio Sega which Sega songs are in your top 5 of the year. That's radiose.ga forward slash song of 2021. Anyone can take part, and nominations close on December 5th. Welcome back, Darren. We're here with Darren from Grey Fox Books. I'm really excited to know more. Uh, we, we ended up right. talking about a, a lot of stuff okay. before we got into that. But, but as I said, before the break, we, I have a surprise. Okay, and that surprise is called the Sega Lounge Challenge. Now that you know our guests, it's time to put them to the test. It's the moment we've waited for and the moment they dread. Welcome to your doom. I mean, welcome to the Sega Lounge Challenge. <laughs> Okay, yes, okay. That, that's the kind of reaction I like. That, I'm not, that, not, I'm not a, hint, a hint of fear uh, in your voice, that, that's what I like. Mm. <laughs> so what is the Sega Lounge Challenge, um, Darren? It's, it's the thing I like to, to do with my, with my guests, and it can be anything. Okay. But today, you're working on a Mega Drive book. So as you said before, if you're putting this up on Kickstarter, it means there was a lot of work done into it. Or it's probably, yeah. I don't know, maybe practically finished? Yeah, more, more yeah. or less, yeah, practically. Okay. It's in the proofreading stage at the moment. Excellent. So that means you have you are a knowledgeable person and you have a lot of Mega Drive knowledge just, just bursting at the <laughs> seams. And what I want to do is to test that knowledge. 
okay, we can we can, we can give it a go. Are you up for it? For it? Yeah, yeah. You have you have no choice, but I, I'm I'm just asking to be polite. I probably uh, saw flatly <laughs> face, but yeah, give it a whack. <laughs> okay, so this is what I call. So I usually I've been doing this this season with with guests. Uh, something called the the ultimate Sega fan challenge. Okay, but I, I've I've tweaked it a little bit, and it's now the ultimate Mega Drive fan challenge. Okay. okay. After working on this, and I don't, I don't even know if if you were a, a big Mega Drive fan before working on the book or not. Um, I believe it or not, I was probably I I got exposure to the Mega Drive in 1988 when it first mm -hmm. came out in Japan. Okay. Uh, now I will I will admit, right? Uh, absolutely for for uh, for the record, uh, I did own a Mega Drive for a while, um, but I got. Unfortunately, snoo snookered over to the Nintendo uh, fence with the Super NES. But um, I, <gasps> I, I know, I know. I, I'm holding my head down in Jane, believe me. It's a big, the show is now over. <laughs> Dude! <laughs> Please um, leave the lounge. Flat, flat line. No, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool. But I'm I'm sure you've you've come to learn and appreciate the the system a oh, bit did. more. Oh, I had I had um I had a good few games on the Mega Drive. Um, mm -hmm. A friend of mine had got one in an import from Japan. Now a lot of money were you know what I mean, and you know we weren't all working at the time. You know we were only teenagers or whatever, mm. and um, you know he he uh, brought up this black mammoth. You know, beautiful <laughs> white box, you know, that was in. It was all the future and sort of futuristic 16-bit power and uh, yes. all this type of thing. High-definition graphics. High-definition graphics and, you know, blast processing and all this exactly. Mad, exactly. mad stuff. And I'm there saying, what is this? Now, we were on the computers. You know, we were still on the 16-bit Commodores and Amigas and STs and all this. And he brought this up and he had his friend with him. He was, this guy was like a security guard assisting him, you know, like a bodyguard <laughs> uh, to bring this out. And he took it out and it was all new to me. I said, what is this thing? You did know? he like handcuff himself to the... the he did. Guard? He had a handcuffed yeah. suitcase before he opened it, <laughs> all that good stuff. And he took it out and he had a Revenge of Shinobi. Or no, not Revenge of Shinobi. Uh, did Revenge Three, of Shinobi, perhaps. yeah. The first Shinobi and Rambo 3. Okay. And he plugged this in and we switched it on. And I literally, uh, he, he, I, I, I'm speechless. I said, this, <laughs> this is an arcade. This is an arcade in, in the house. This this is an arcade. And this is before Neo Geo and all this, remember, you know, all the, for all these mad consoles came out. Even the Framicom, Super Framicom wasn't even out at the time. And uh, where you show me Shinobi and all of them. I'm blown away by the smooth scrolling of the game, the Graphics, uh, Rambo when he shoots the the hind helicopter for the first time. I was literally, I actually said to the guy, "Look, I'll pay you twenty, twenty pounds at the time, twenty dollars, whatever it was, to let me ha hold on to this for the weekend." This was a Friday he'd come up, and I'd offered him physical money. Okay. To, to let me <laughs> hold on to it. I says, "I'll I'll, I'll get me farther to." To drive it down to your house, you know, on Sunday morning, and he was real reluctant. And he, you know, I said, "Look, I'll, I'll take amazing care of it." And I remember playing playing the Mega Drive, the very fourth. Like literally, I didn't even know about this. It wasn't in any magazines. I hadn't seen it 
or any magazines I knew of and uh, played it till maybe uh, 8 o'clock the following morning. He, he, <laughs> came, he brought it up at about 6 in the evening and played okay. it till about 8 o'clock the following morning. Shinobi and Ram- I think I finished Rambo, but Shinobi now got really difficult <laughs> later on. Uh, and that was my pinnacle experience with the Mega Drive. Just knew when it came out, we had to get one because it was called Mega Drive over here. It's Genesis in, in, in America. Yes. Um, and uh, all that type of stuff. So uh, when it came out, you know, I got Shinobi, got Rambo. I think I got Golden Axe as well. But mm-hmm. then when Streets of Rage came out, it was, you know, Excellent. Uh, Excellent. just mind blowing. So, but a lot of money. Uh, so so that, that that's exactly what I wanted to hear because I'm going to ask you some questions, Aaron. Yeah. I'm going to test your knowledge right. on this system. This is the ultimate Mega Drive fan challenge. Okay. The thing is, we have 10 questions here. So let's start with the first one. I think this is easy. Okay. <laughs> okay. What is the name of the duo of extraterrestrial rap- rappers Sorry, who end up crash landing on Earth and going in search of their ship's missing pieces? Uh, is that Tall and Jam? Are are you familiar with the, this this plot that I just a duo described? Of parts of their missions. a duo of extraterrestrial rappers who end yeah. up crashing crash landing on Earth, and this is actually a, a series of games. And in the first one, they go in search of their ship's missing pieces on Earth. Right. Okay. The only thing I can think of where it involves walking around was uh, Tall Jam and Earl. Um, I, I may not have been familiar with those. As I said earlier on, I picked Pacific genres, so I wouldn't have been, you know, picking up everything that, that came up. If it's a series of games, you know, there's more than one. I'm, I'm more familiar with it, I have to say, and that's, this is an easy question. I can only imagine what the hard questions are like. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm probably going to kick myself on the backside now once you tell me, all right. Uh, the only thing I can think of, because I know Toll and Toll, Toll Jam and Earl got more than one game. I can't remember were they on the, were they all on the Mega Drive? Um, because there, so... there would have been a certain genre. I'm going to go with that, but I'm probably wrong. You're going to go with Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah, Toe Jam and Yeah. Toe Jam and Earl. Mm. Yeah, all, your, all the listeners are probably saying, you got, golly wog, it's this. <laughs> so final answer, Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah. Right, Darren? All right, going to go with that. Okay, we're going to lock it in. And I'm going to tell you that the second game was also on the Mega Drive. Right. Uh, it was something and then... The subtitle was Panic on Funkotron. The third game was on the Xbox. Yeah. And the fourth game was actually, or is, on modern systems. Mm-hmm. After a a, a, a a very long hiatus, they came back. Your answer, Toe Jam and Earl, is, however... Correct, actually. Well done. One point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, hey, Dave, you're brilliant at uh, 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 increasing the tension. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. 
that's that's like fifty percent of the challenge. Yeah, you're yeah. you're 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 very good at it. You, you really have me thinking. Yeah, am I right? Okay. Right yeah. Wrong? Yeah. Right you were you were wrong? absolutely right. You were you you struggled with the name at first, but then you you, you got there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Ireland, yeah. Right. Oh, oh, damn, man. It's not. It doesn't really fly off the tongue too good, does it? Really? Give you a few drinks on you. <laughs> Okay, so one point, that's that's good. Let's go with question number two then. This is a hard question. Yeah. But I know you've played this game because you told me before. Okay. What is the name of the rideable beasts you find in the Golden Axe games? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is devilish. Usually what people do is they say, oh, I remember there's this one and that one. Uh, what are the names all, of them? They they each have names, but there is like a common group you name. Know, they we, we can share. talk about the type of beast you ride in Golden Axe, but knowing them names, I don't all know of, them personally now. Um, all of them, whatever species they are, they are all... They're all named one common yeah. group name. Um, we have it well in. You ride a, a dragon. You ride. Uh, it's this golden axe one now we're talking about, yeah. Yes. Um, you you ride a dragon, a sort of biped dragon. Uh, one that looks like a hog with a large tail for whiplashing. Uh, what was the other one? The the, the dry. Oh God! I know. I, I I know. I'm going to be kicking. We, we, we need we need a name for all of them. Say we need a name for all of them. I wouldn't be able to tell you a name. <laughs> I can only tell you the type of creature they were. Uh, the name that that's too hard. That's so that that dragon. That 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 other thing. What, if you had had to to like give them all a, a common like you know type of creature name, what would it be? Oh God! <laughs> um, oh, you have me. You you have me betting. This I'm I'm going to get zero in this quiz. I know I am. <laughs> You already have a point, so you're not going to get <laughs> yeah, zero. Yeah, one old point. I'm bringing the book out on the subject and you can only score a point. What's this guy now? He knows nothing. Um, I, I, I wouldn't know. I'm genuinely would not know. Okay. Uh, so, what it would be. Um, some, something weird. Something like, I don't know. I don't know, Dave. I actually give up. <laughs> So you don't know? No, go on. Want to know the correct answer? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the correct answer was Bizarians. They are all. What were they? Bizarians. Bizarians. So they are bizarre. So they are Bizarians, uh, perhaps. So there's there's one called Chicken Leg. There's another one that I can't remember the name. As you said, there's a dragon. There's whatever. They are all the creatures, the beasts that you ride are Bizarians. Bizarians. And they, that's all in all of the, the Golden X games. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so no worries. No worries. We have more, more questions. <laughs> more questions. What I'm going to do is, since, you know, 
this is with just questions, it's kind of hard. So I'm going to give you questions of different difficulty levels. And uh, we're, gonna, we're aiming for 10. So we've got one out of 10. Let's right. see if we can get the second one. Okay. So the next question is, are you familiar with Sonic the Hedgehog? Yes. Yes. You know, you've seen him around, right? Absolutely. Only last week. <laughs> what was the name given to several prototypes of Sonic the Hedgehog by his designer, Naoto Oshima? So before he was called Sonic, the man who designed, who came up with what was the closest thing to the final design of Sonic. Yeah. Gave him a different, like a, a, a working name, uh, you know, temporary name. Do you know what it was? I do. Um, because during my research on the book, I, I, I actually covered this. Mr. Needlemouse. Mr. Needlemouse. Yeah. Like a mouse with needles. Yeah, Mr. Needlemouse, because of the spikes on the back of his hair. So you, you think that would be the name that a, a Japanese person would give a hedgehog? Yeah. Which later which was, we've come to know as Sonic. Yeah, which was combined. Yeah. So final answer. Final answer. No doubts about it. More or less, ninety-five <laughs> percent. Your 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 fantastic audible manipulation is making me doubt it, but I, I'm going to go with Mr. Needlemouse. <laughs> and you are correct. It is Mr. Needlemouse. Well done. Great restored. <laughs> two, two out of three. That's not bad at all. Okay. Okay. Achievement unlocked. Achievement unlocked. Okay. Let's go with number four. We're going to go with something a little bit harder. Okay. Okay. But actually, uh, uh, this is a question I've done before, and people usually surprisingly can give me the answer. So I don't know, maybe, I don't know. It's, it's a multiple choice question. Okay. In stage four of Streets of Rage 2, which is the baseball stadium, yeah. which of the following options is a sentence that you can see in the background of the stage? Okay, so which one is the, the right one that appears in the game? Okay. Is it A, it's like boo, exclamation mark. It's like boo. Option B, Dodgers forever. Dodgers forever. Okay. Or C, play ball, exclamation mark. I think it's play ball. So option C, C, play ball. Yeah. Okay. So not it's like boo or Dodgers forever. <laughs> See, you're making me there. You're making me there. You know, this is, you should I'm, be I'm on just asking. I'm just making sure of your answer. <laughs> um, I think it's play ball. So final answer. Option final C, answer, play ball. Play ball. So I'm going to tell you that Dodgers Forever is not in the game. It's not in the game. Okay. There is another sentence that is indeed like uh, in the background, which is do 
exclamation mark baseball exclamation mark wow do baseball but is it it's like boo or play ball i'm almost sure it's play ball the answer is it's like boo <laughs> believe it or not it's like boo <laughs> what does that mean i don't know <laughs> that's just somebody creatively just putting something in there to um you know, uh, fill in that, that graphic or whatever. So that's a real <laughs> Mandela effect then. I'm almost <laughs> sure that's what it was, you know. Yeah. Okay. It, um, there is I, one. There is one. Do baseball. So the do baseball is there yeah, as well, but that, that was not. The same. It's play baseball though, is it? Yeah, it's play ball, so but it's not that play ball. wrong. Yeah. Okay. So no, no points there, but let's keep going. Number five. Number five. Okay. Let's see if you can tell me. Um, let's go with another Mega Drive question. In Outrun, what brand of cars do you drive? So I'm going to go with Ferrari Tessarossa. Not a Lamborghini or something. No. You're going to go with a Ferrari. Yeah. And it's correct, of course. Awesome. You had to know this, obviously. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. I'd okay. never lived it down if I didn't get that right. <laughs> okay. Good job. Good job. Let's go back to, and this one is a little bit hard. Let's see. You mentioned Shinobi before. Let's see. In round six of the Japanese version of The Revenge of Shinobi, which is actually titled The Super Shinobi in Japan. Yeah, Super Shinobi. Yeah. yeah so, but in round six, you fight a boss called The Metamorpher who takes on two forms, both resembling two very famous comic book heroes. Name one of them. Spider-Man is one of them, as far as I remember. And you think Sega had, like, permission for Marvel to use... The resemblance of Spider-Man or something. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> he also had Rambo, I think, in it as well. So Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. You think Spider-Man is in The Revenge of Shinobi? Mm-hmm. And you are correct. Yes. Yay! So the Ooh. metamorpher. There you go. The first form is Spider-Man. The second form is Batman. Batman. <laughs> Neither of them were licensed. Although... Wow. I don't know how Sega got away yeah, with that now. For, and Rambo is, you know, an enemy that looks a lot like Rambo is in there as well. They call it Rocky, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, but apparently Sega had the license for the Spider-Man arcade game and they wanted to promote the, the, the game, the arcade game in The Revenge of Shinobi, but... They had, didn't have the license, I think. So that was, yeah. that was to justify the legalities of it. But then I think <clears throat> in in, in uh, later revisions they did get that that uh, license and they still used it. But it the the you know later revisions of the game showed that they had uh, they were using Spider Man as licensed by Marvel. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. This is the thing. This is the beauty about this time frame. 
is the things that they got away with, the things that they <laughs> they, they included in games and they'd no right to be there in That's the first true. place and <laughs> all that type of good stuff. That's what makes them amazing. Yeah, You won't see that in new games today. Uh, you know, things that shouldn't be there. You know, exactly. it's a rarity now. Uh-huh. Very good. So we're, we had... Uh, we've got four questions left. You have four correct questions, four correct answers. So Great. one more gives you like 50%. So Brilliant. let's see what happens. Next question. Ready, Darren? Yeah. Okay. In the original Sonic the Hedgehog for the Mega Drive, what is the code you need to input in the title screen? To unlock level select, you have to press buttons on your controller to bring up the level select screen. Wow, um, these are these are vicious. These are absolutely vicious. These. Um, Thank these you questions. very much. Thank you. <laughs> um. I think you have to go to the sound test in the options menu. Um, I'm I'm gonna give you a hint and stop you right there, and say that you there is no sound test in Sonic One. Oh, right at least up. not well, at least not without unlocking it. Uh, but in and so what you need to do is to just press buttons. On your control, oh, right, in right. a certain yeah, order, a, 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 B, or C, in, in in a specific formation. Yep. Um, oh God, that this this is going back a long time. Like, what, what would you do to unlock level select? On the directional pad, you press up. I'm going to go with um, sort of like a, a four formation. So I'm going to go up, down, left, and right. Yeah, that's pure pure guess. I'm got yeah. I'm so, up, down, left, and right, like 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 a four, like okay. a four formation. Yep. So right, up, down, left, right. So the D pad then. Yeah. Anything from the other. Buttons there, A, B, C, um, something. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe hold down start when you're doing it. So hold down start. Maybe go up, down, left, and right. Mm -hmm. So hold you get, down I know. Start. I remember you get a chime to tell you you've done it. Um, that is true. But uh, I, I, the last time I would have done. <laughs> Done something like that would have been back in 1991. I didn't play. I didn't play. I haven't played Sonic One in years now. Although you know, I was playing it. I had a quick go with there to to grab some screenshots for um for the book. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's been years since Th I played. This would have I, been I, useful to get like screenshots from the later levels without playing the game. Yeah, I know the game is as tough as nails, like you know <laughs> what I mean. But I, I, I love to, I love the the uh, exploration and stuff like that. I I, th I still think it really holds up well today. Um, oh I, yeah. I know. I know not. I know. I wouldn't say not many people, but some people 
don't think Sonic 1 holds up as well as others. And I agree, Sonic 2 is a better game and Sonic 3 well, Knuckles. But I, I still very much enjoy playing Sonic 1. Well, I, I, I think Sonic, uh, you know, made a, an amazing impact. You know, remember, they were, they were going to go with Alex Kidd, I think, as the mascot uh, for Sega. And this was just uh, the right thing, the way the game played and stuff. There was no game that, that ran as quick and stuff like that. The graphics may not have aged too well, but they're still still used today. The same style, the same, you know, presentation, in my opinion, it's the same as it always was. So it's a classic. So you can't, you can't dethrone a classic. Very even true. If, even if the games that came after were better. Mm-hmm. It, that, that was what made, that's what, you know, defined Sonic when it came mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And so to unlock level select, you hold start and up, down, left, right. Yeah, that, 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 you know, I'm really stretching my memory here. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you held down B or A or, but I'm all, I definitely remember holding start down mm-hmm. and up, down, left, right. Okay, okay. So the correct answer is. You press up, down, left, right, and then you hear a ring sound, mm-hmm. and then you press A and start. That would be the correct combination. You couldn't hold down start because if you hold down start, it it, it just starts the game, right? Yeah. So that would be how ha- you, you had to do that after the ring sound, confirming that the up... Down, oh. left, right was okay, and then A plus start. Would so, and actually to, to activate the level select, it's the start and A that actually bring it up. Yep, indeed. Right, that's, I get you. That's exactly it. <laughs> right. Okay. I, I but it's okay. You were, you were very, very close. Very, very close. Yeah. <laughs> okay, question eight, Darren. Ready? Yeah. We're almost done <laughs> with this torture. What name... <laughs> is given to the combination of a Mega Drive, a Mega CD, a 32X, and usually a Sonic & Knuckles cartridge with another Sonic game attached to it. So if you put all of these things together, all the, 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 you know, the Mega Drive and all the add-ons, the 32X, the Mega CD, and then you put a Sonic & Knuckles cartridge that opens and you attach another Sonic game, for example, on it, what do you call that? That monstrosity. That's. Uh, I I know there's definitely multiple slang names for this, and multiple slang words for it, and all. I wouldn't be able to tell you because you know I, I know that they used to call the the thirty uh, two X the Sega Mushroom and stuff like that. Um, but combined together. I'm I'm only going to say the ultimate Mega Drive setup. It it goes really it gets really really high, right? So, you know, yeah. Put all of these together, it looks like uh, something tower, Mega Drive tower, maybe. And it's very, you know, all that processing. <laughs> you know, it's probably a very high thing that has a lot of something. I know you're doing your best to help me here today. <laughs> it's not working. 
Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, so it's the Tower of... You said tower already, you're right. It's the Tower of... Um, Because, you know, it's the Mega power, Drive. Power of Power. The, the Mega CD, the 32X. It is the Tower of Power, of course. Yes. Remember now. <laughs> yes. Power of Power. One point. Good job. It is the Tower of Power. The Sega power Tower of, power, of yeah. power. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good job. Good job. That's okay. Tough. Okay. Let's go with the last couple of questions. Let's see if you can tell me the correct answers to these questions. Okay, this this is going to be a hard one, I'm sure. But maybe not. I don't know. Have you played World of Illusion with Mickey and Donald? Mickey Mouse, yeah. Yeah. This In World of Illusion, how do Mickey and Donald attack their enemies? And if you've, ha- if you've played the game, if you've seen something about the game try to re- remember you know what they do um well the, the, i have to say your choice of questions are brilliantly research because it's just something that you don't you know think of and, and, and you're there saying to yourself you know you know what way what way can i do this and stuff like that um it's obviously co-op play. It, it can be co-op. It can be solo. Yeah. So, but but they, they they both do the same thing. Do you know the like the plot, so to speak, of the game? I I would. I I they're they're, I, I, they're magicians. So yeah. they're in a world right. of illusion. Illusion. That's right. Yeah. So how would um, they? I remember now. I remember now. What would they do to? They 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 attack their enemies with the swish of their capes, depending depending on which character you're using. Their capes. Okay. Yeah. Not like wands or something. No, I, no, it's capes. I can't remember. It's, it's been yes. a long time since I played it. <laughs> I'm making it worse. <laughs> yes, it's capes. Yeah, you're, yes. you're adding in extra things. You're bringing in tanks, and everything, and wands and. Yes, that that, that is not wands are not in the game, so no, it's the capes, yeah. of course. Yes, they they actually depending on how if you're too far away from the enemy, they get like they freeze for a, a second or so. Yeah, but if if you do like a full blown attack, they turn into birds or something like that. So, right, uh, and that means you've defeated the enemy. So that's exactly it. They use their capes. Yeah to attack their enemies. Good job. Yeah. Well done. That's it. <laughs> you know, I'm sweating here, like, I'm sweating here profusely here with, with the stress and, uh, and everything else that goes with it. Okay. I really am. I, I have good news for you, though. Yep. You've given me six correct answers, so you're in the clear. You're <laughs> over 50%, but I still have to ask the final question. Right. Okay. Okay. So this will be the final one. And let's see if you can tell me the, the correct answer. Uh, have you played Echo the Dolphin? No. Okay. So this will not go well. <laughs> <laughs> what is the name? Do you know the, the story? More or less? Um, no? I like have a sci-fi, idea. I, I, sci-fi I, I, game, never, believe it or not. I, I was never a huge fan of, of the game, you know, because you can troll uh, the dolphin, you're soon around. Yeah. But I do know it's really good. You, you fight aliens 
yeah. believe it or not. So yeah. So what is the name of the alien race who are the main antagonists in the Mega Drive Echo the Dolphin games? <laughs> what would you call the race of aliens who kidnap Echo's family or pod oh, and, yeah. and a lot of other sea creatures? There's no way. Trying to ask me, you know, what what games are coming out next year, or you know, what what's you know, what's what's the ending of this game going to be out that's coming out next year? I wouldn't have a Scooby um, on on what that would be. Would you care to just? This is not a necessary question, so you're in the clear. Just, just for fun. It's Thank sort of you. like you know the thirty-two k is in the bank, so whatever question you get, you can still walk <laughs> away with thirty-two k. Um, no, there's, there's no. What would you way. call? What would you call a, an alien race who kidnaps, you know, sea creatures yeah. and eat, tries to eat them as well? Um, no. I'm not even going to make a guess. Because <laughs> I, I, I know if I say it's something, okay. the, wagon pipe, the wagon pipe race, I don't know. I've not no many people idea. know this, believe it or not. So the correct answer is the vortex. The vortex. It's, it's hard. Not many people guess this. The vor, the vor, I actually know. I know that. I, I've heard that about Eco. About your, uh, I think it was on the Dreamcast uh, defenders of the future. Defender of the future, but that's a different. That's a different plot. Yeah, it's not by the creator of Echo, the the, the original Echo games. Yeah, so it's a little bit different. It's it. But, there but are some the in that as well. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's that's a little where bit I, I remember they're up against a thing called mm. the board because Tom Baker does the narration. It, he does. He does. Um, yeah, and um, it that. It was that where I remember him talking about the vortex, mm. and that's so, yeah. where I remember from. But I would have never known it because it, you know it's, I never it's, it's a hard. It. it was a hard question, but you got six points out of the possible ten. So that means, Darren, that after all this torture, you get <laughs> the highly coveted Sega Lounge seal of approval, which I will send your way on Twitter uh, right now. So. Congratulations. Oh, you should be proud much. of yourself. I'm, I'm, so I'm actually just glad the ordeal is over, David, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? I, 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 I've, had, I've only had to take one Prozac now. To, to... You did great. You did great. Uh, it, 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 this is not for the faint of heart. Uh, it isn't. I, I, have, I have to tell you, yeah. But you get the psychological seal of approval. And you get to tell me uh, about the your, the Mega Drive book you're, you're working on, right. which we're very excited about. So the Mega Book Collection, right? Yeah, right. So, so tell me about it, please. Right. So, again, I feel that, um, you know, the system, uh, although we've got loads of books on the Mega Drive and Genesis, and all this type of stuff. And there's some brilliant stuff out there. Uh, again, I see them not being covered in the way uh, fans should see the book being covered. I feel that, um, you know, from the lineage that the Mega Drive and the Genesis had, it needs to be done in some visual form. Um, you know, it's great, again, seeing the books with a little post stamp picture and a little bit of a write up and 
you know, and some of them covered the history of Sega. Uh, there was a book there produced there a couple of years back from a company called Read Only Memory about yep. the Mega Drive, and uh, it showed by, by, by an, an, another another Darren Darren Wall, uh, Darren Wall, yeah. <laughs> Uh, schematics of the Mega Drive and some really mm-hmm. great exclusivity in it, and it's a fantastic book. Absolutely, if you're if you're Mega Drive, Mega Drive fan, you really need to have this book in your collection. It's one of those books that you know shows you the most intimate things you'd have never seen. You you won't see most of this stuff on the internet, uh, and it's a really really fantastic book. But definitely. As great as it was, I found it to be incredibly minimalistic. Uh, you know, single images on one page. Now, I understand why they did that. You know, they want to give presence to the items and stuff like that. But it's just not the way I, I would want to see the Mega Drive being celebrated. And I wanted to create a book that, you know, straight away instantly recognized the imagery from it, you know, instantly recognize the game, you know, and deliver such a rich, rich visual content that it looks like you were looking at it on a screen or you were looking at it on, um, you know, as if it was in, on a handheld. So what I decided to do was, I says, I really want to uh, make a Mega Drive book uh, for fans that they deserve that you know a book sort of that they've been waiting for for this type of style uh, to present all their favorite games now obviously there's going to be games in here it was the same with the arcade book you know why wasn't this game included you know you included this game why wasn't this <laughs> one i didn't see my favorite game when you're making these type of things you have to make executive decisions based on page count and all this and you know if 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 plausible, I'd I'd have covered every single uh, game that I could, but then the book would take 10 years to make because there's so much stuff uh, on the Mega Drive and Genesis and what have you. So what I did was, I says, right, I know I'm going to cover the Mega Drive, but i never seen a book, and maybe you can correct me here, David, uh, a book that covered all three add on all three elements of the sega uh, 16-bit days so what i've actually done is i've combined the sega mega drive in its own chapter its own its own uh, collage and its own section and then mm-hmm. did one for the mega cd and the 32x in yeah. one book mm-hmm. right so uh what i've done is i've taken the design aesthetics that you will instantly associate with with a Sega Sega Mega Drive, the grids and all this stuff, and then all the other formats like the Mega CD and the Sega CD have their own look as well. Even though the content layout is is similar, you'll mm-hmm. know that you're reading about a Mega CD game, or you'll know you're reading about a Torgy Two X game, or you'll know you're reading about a Mega Drive game. But didn't want to leave it there. I wanted to reach out to the community, and I managed to get twelve contributors to submit their uh, personal homages to these games that are covered in the book. So uh, the book is written by me. The majority will be written by me. Mm-hmm. Um, the features that are going to be in there. 
So each section of the book, so you've got your Mega Drive, your Mega CD, and your 32X, Sega CD, blah, blah, blah. And I write a four-page feature on the history of those things. So the Mega Drive, you'll, you'll get a, a brief history timeline of... Uh, the pros and cons of what they went through, you know, what Sega did with America and all this type of stuff. It sort of covers the, the, uh, uh, the history line. So you get a good, if you're, if you're not familiar with them, you'll learn hopefully a bit. And I include that, that, that bit about Sonic, Mr. Needlemouse and that type of thing. Cause I yeah. thought stuff like that needs a lot, not maybe a lot of people know it. I know diehard fans will, but not a, not a lot of people will know it. So that gets covered in it. Then you get um, a barrage of games uh, to look through. Uh, what I done uh, with this, which was never being done really in, in a book, was I managed to get imagery of the box art okay. and include that as well in the game. So you're going to see a main image from the game, two smaller screenshots and the actual box art. Then you'll have your write-up about the game, what made it amazing, and there may be trivia in there. There may be some facts that you didn't know about will be in there. Then you get a breakdown of who developed it, what year it came out, uh, who published it. So there is uh, lovely information there to read about. And it's going to be a 10 by 10 inch square book, hardback book. All right. Um now the cover when i designed the cover wanted to really focus on the say when you see this you know it's sega there's no doubt about that it's not sega now i can't really talk about the plans i have for the physical when it comes out physically but you're going to be blown away by it um it Ooh. won't be your standard hardback cover Okay. Um, right. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But okay. I cover uh, each each section. Mega CD gets it gets its own fa four pages on the history of it. Thirty two X is the same. Uh, I also uh, do uh, a street fight, a streets of rage feature, six page streets of rage feature about Excellent. the history of the games and stuff like that. Uh, all very much drenched in the streets of rage ethos. Um, there's a, a software company profile in it. I'm not going to say what, what that one is, uh, who the company is, but they did a lot on the Mega, Mega Drive and a lot on the, the, the Mega CD as well. Uh, but it's mainly all about the games. Um, and okay. I spent an awful lot of time, you know, perfecting the visual aspects of the book. So when you pick this book up, you're instantly in Sega land. You're instantly back to your mega drive days and but what i've done is which i've never seen in in a, in a book for the mega drive or sega is i've really really made the imagery pop so when you're seeing this you're going to see every single pixel it'll be vibrant it's going to really leap out at you because you know the way they they, they always say that the mega drive color palette yeah, you know, is muted and you know it's dull or whatever it would be. Um, that's not the case. Going to be the case in this book because I made sure that any images that I took were high fidelity imagery. Mm -hmm. uh, so it really is going to pop out at you. Now, what I plan to do, like I do with all with all the Grey Fox books, is 
we obviously go to Kickstarter to crowdfund this. Now, the campaign will run for about 45 days. It's not to ensure that funding is met. It's to ensure that people come in late to the, or finding out. I, I had an awful lot of that with the arcade book. A lot of people didn't know about it. And, um, you know. So you're giving people a little bit of extra time to, to get yeah. the, word, the word out and spread the word amongst their friends and yeah, stuff like that. Well, yeah, so, so Kickstarter is, is very, very good uh, at promoting these type of things. Now, it does, it does help, you know, when, when you're getting the word spread by myself and others like yourselves and uh, all, that, all that amazing stuff. Um, you know, again, as I said earlier on, it really, really is about getting the, the, the project funded for the fans. It's not about the money. I want this book as much as the next Mega Drive fan does. Um, I think that, you know, it sort of separates. So anything that we sort of do takes time coming out. But when it does, it's really going to be what you've been looking for or didn't know you wanted uh, type yeah. of thing. And don't get me wrong. There's so many amazing books out there. So many amazing publishers, authors, writers, you know, and, and, and deservingly so, you should buy their books. The books are, are phenomenally good. This is the book that you pe you wished people would do or the kind of book that you, you want to do. So it's different because of that. I think I think what it is, it's really got to do uh, how well I know the subject matter because um, I'm creating stuff that I know I would like. But mm -hmm. because I know so much about the, the games and played these games, lived through that time frame playing these games. I just feel a picture on a piece of white paper with a bit of writing isn't really um, the essence of the games, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I try to encapsulate that with uh, the pages that I design and, and create, that it's it's heavy on visuals. It, it gives you the, the nostalgia hit that you want, and you read about it. And as I said, I have... About twelve, uh, about a twelve contributors to the book, and some of the stuff they've actually written is absolutely brilliant. I've absolutely loved reading because it's mm -hmm. all about their personal nostalgia. They talk about the game, what what impacted on them, you know how good the game is if you've never played it, um, you know. Now, as we all know, collecting these games now is very expensive now, with with the scalping that goes yeah, on with yeah. these. Uh, sealed editions and all going for an absorbent amount of money which is despicable i think um but uh i really want to create a book that you can pick up look at and say wow i remember this game wow i'm going to play this now i'm going to boot that up you know it's it's all about the caption of the nostalgia and it's also a fantastic reference to people that may see games in this book that they never played or they never seen. Now, even when I cover the Mega CD, you know, we all know that it was it was absolutely uh, infested with FMV games and stuff. <laughs> There's no FMV games in the book. Okay. <laughs> I, I purposely le left them out because, um, you know, they were mediocre at best. So maybe Night Nightrap probably deserved to be in there, but... Um, I, I, I just mostly want, for mostly for historical reasons, yeah. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> this straight-to-video release 
that was known as FMV games at the time were so bad, um, you know, and I didn't want to include that. And maybe I should have, maybe there'll be a few people that'll say, why isn't there no FMV games? I wanted to cover the games that sort of pushed the um, the hardware. As you know, mm. the Mega CD had amazing scaling, sprite scaling, uh, stuff that was virtually never used uh, in a lot mm. of the games. And I wanted to include all that type of stuff. So, you know, who knows? I may do a follow-up book for it and, and include FMV games this time. But There you go. That's it, an idea. <laughs> it, it, it was very difficult uh, to decide what games that went in and what didn't. And I wanted to create a variety of games that everybody can relate to. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's RPG games in there. There's action games. There's strategy games. There's, you know, platform games. All this. All, mm. I, I really did spend an awful lot of time deciding what went in and very hard and i know i've missed loads i know there's going to be a lot that aren't in there but the book is going to be over three about 300 pages worth um of contents the the big uh takeaway from this is people should uh, go to kickstarter and back this project when are you expecting you know to be able to deliver the final right so product right so What I want everybody to do, if they go on Twitter, if they're on Twitter, you know, obviously follow the Sega Lounge on Twitter, you know, for for news, and also follow Grey Fox Books at Grey Fox Books. Um, uh, There'll be announcements made on on when things are happening and how they're happening and all that, and there'll be regular updates and all that. I love to keep the backers in every single uh, stage of the process. So if you if you if you like that if you like to be involved in a project, you know some that that you, a favorite pastime of yours, I I I love to keep you guys in the loop. Even if a pin drops, I'll let you know <laughs> that a pin has dropped. So the project is going to run for forty five days. So I would estimate that it would close maybe on the third or fourth of January, twenty twenty two. Um. And estimate because the book is more or less finished and made. Um, realistically, the logistics will be based on the time frame that Kickstarter release the funding to me to be able to then go to my printer. They're not going to start printing now, um, you know, and not be paid beforehand. So um, normally, it's about two weeks after the campaign, two to three weeks that funds get released to you, and then I, I literally. The printers will be paid up front for everything. Um, I'm hoping to have the printer do the fulfillment. Um, it should, That will really, really uh, take a lot of pressure off me because the last book, I did all the fulfillment and it was absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, uh, yeah. We I can imagine that, yeah. We, we, we started in August, funded in September, and everybody had their books all over the world by December. Wow. That's unheard of, right? So it there killed me. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I had to take a month off work to uh, do all the packing and shipping and all the perks that were on the arcade book were ridiculous. There was T-shirts and cushions and posters. And I had to decide, is he a large, is he a medium? And, and do all that, work all that out. So it was an amazing experience, brilliant experience. But no, I, I, I think once is enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the book will should be fulfilled. If it is a case where I do have to fulfill it, 
it won't make any difference anyway. Everybody will still get their books, but uh, these these guys are, are real pros. They know what they're doing. So um, I would estimate, uh, you know, from January, you know, funding taking place, uh, production, depending on the amount of books as well. Keep in mind, uh, there may be a, a medium to large number that back the book, or then it could be astronomical. Um, the, you know, like bitmap books, they, 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 when they were funding on Kickstarter, there were mm-hmm. 3,000, 4,000 books and stuff like that. So obviously, if there's a higher volume of books to be made, it's obviously going to take the time. Obviously, but yeah, yeah. I have an agreement with the printers that the minute the first thousand are made, they'd be shipped out. Minute the second mm-hmm. thousand, you know, and so on. So I might even do it in 500 increments. Um, so I would estimate roughly you're looking at April next year, maybe May, but it'll be no later than that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that sounds great. So, um, Darren, we've we've learned a lot about you, about the your previous projects, this new project that I'm sure our listeners are very excited about. And as you said, uh, just follow Gray Fox Books on Twitter. Uh, it's been great to have you on the show and to talk about this, talk this new project. I have one question that I always ask my my guests at the end of the the interview. Okay, and I I don't think it's ever been as appropriate as uh, today. And the question is, if you could add blast processing to anything in the world, what would it be, and why? <laughs> um, uh, the longevity of life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd add, I'd add blast person that you know you live for 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 a lot, very long time, and that it's a blast all the way from start to finish. You're you're <laughs> you're not here. We're not here for a long time. We're here for we're here for a good time. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that's what I would att- I would attach it to your, to the lifespan of, of awesome people, especially not the just, community. Not They're just really a, long, awesome. a long time, but uh, quality time. Yeah, right? so and the quality of, have a blast of life. Doing it. So that's your blast yeah, yeah. process I- intervention there. That's that's a great answer. That's a great. I, I think an answer we can all get behind. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Darren, thank you very much for coming on to the Sega Lounge. So people listening, don't forget, check out the Kickstarter project and get this awesome Mega Drive book that, that you've yeah, let, let's, been Let's make it on. happen, guys, because... Let's make it happen. You know, at the end of the day, the book is for you guys. It's purely for your, you know, preservation and everything else. And if you're into other stuff, you're into classic arcade games and stuff like that, definitely check out Ray Fox books. Uh, we've only got two books up there, but with your help, you know, everybody's help on these projects, you know, I have at least another six books that mm. I could definitely bring to all the fans, uh, whether it be arcade, Sega or whatever. Um, you know, um, there was a little sneak peek that I was working on a Sony book as well. So, um, all this stuff is only made possible from from the input from you guys and the support from you guys. Um, it's like anything, really. You you guys need to nurture uh, the stuff to, in, into happening, and I, I'm definitely up for the up for the 
offered the journey to 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 bring a, an absolutely brilliant book to you, a book that you will want to show people and and what have you. So yeah. definitely, definitely do check it out. You know, stay stay in tune with 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 the Sega Lounge, hundred percent. Um, and just thanks for everything. Thanks for allowing me to be able to make this stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm sure only two books for now, but let's make it three very very soon. Yes, we we, we definitely need book. to revisit. <laughs> you can't can't really have one Sega book only covering a small uh, little amount of what really is out there and. What if I ever do decide if my schedule allows me to, I will ask the community what they would love to see, mm-hmm. and we'll go make it together. So if people want more Sega books, they'll need to share their their input on that yeah, as well. Share the love. That's, <laughs> That's it. Share the love. Okay, Darren. Thank you very much for coming on the show, no and problem. let's talk again soon. Hopefully. again to Darren Doyle for coming on the show. It's my pleasure to tell you that Megabook Collection is now live on Kickstarter. At the time of recording this, it's a bit under 35% funded with 27 days left to go. That means there's plenty of time for you to get behind this project and get some of the nifty extra rewards like postcards, coasters, or even a copy of Ira the Crow Maiden from our friends at Second Dimension Games. You can find the link to the Kickstarter project in the show notes. And that's about it for this week's show. We'll be back next week for what will probably be our final interview of the season. That's right, we've got some special shows lined up to wrap up the season, so next week's will be the final interview. It'll be a good one though, I promise. Thank you for listening, and remember to follow the Sega Lounge on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Until next week, take care, have fun, and stay safe. Bye-bye. The Sega Lounge. Hosted by me, KC, and part of Radio Sega's network of live shows and podcasts. Theme song and incidental music by OSC. Find them at opusciencecollective.bandcamp.com. Got any suggestions? Drop me an email to podcast at thesegalounge.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Sega Lounge and like us at facebook.com slash The Sega Lounge. You can find previous episodes of the show by going to thesegalounge.com and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Mixed on Productions podcast.